Many years ago, I knew a man named Peter Jameson. And Peter was one of those people who loved to serve the church. And he would show up at work days to paint and to clean. He would stop by during the week to mow the lawn and pull weeds. On Sundays, he'd stand in the lobby and greet other people as they came in for worship. During the service, he would help serve communion. We all viewed Peter Jameson as a model example of how to serve others. I had a chance to talk with Peter shortly before he died, and he made a startling confession. He admitted that he had been serving for all the wrong reasons. He served out of fear because he believed that he had to serve in order to earn God's love. He served out of pride because he wanted other people to be impressed with his servant lifestyle. And he mostly served out of obligation because for him Christianity was all about duty. It was all about the shoulds and the musts and the have-tos. As I listened to Peter tell his story, it broke my heart because he missed out on the joy of serving as an expression of his own faith. And somehow, despite years of reading the Bible, he never, he never grasped the powerful, life-changing truth that is taught to us by another Peter, the Peter who was one of Jesus' closest friends. And that Peter explains that serving never is supposed to be a burdensome duty. Serving is a way for followers of Jesus to take the love and the grace that God has showered on us and then pass it on to others. That's the wisdom that Peter wants us to learn. And we find that in his letter to the church in the book of 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 to 11. Peter writes and says, The end of all things is near. Therefore be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Now, now Peter, like the rest of the early church, believed that the end of things was near. He was convinced that Jesus Christ would return to earth in his lifetime. And obviously, that didn't happen. Jesus did not return. And the church has been waiting with expectation for some 2,000 years for that event to take place. God wants us to wait with expectation. And we, like Peter, live with the knowledge that the end of all things could be near. Jesus could return at any time. And when we really contemplate that, and when we wrestle with the implications of that, it provokes a variety of reactions within people. How do people respond when they are convinced that the end might be near? Well, some people respond with fear. Some people turn inward and only focus on caring for themselves and their family. Some people adopt a survivalist mentality and they want to barricade themselves against the world. 
Peter tells us here that there's a better way. He urges us to be alert, to be sober-minded, to pray. And the more that we pray, and the more that we spend time with God, the more that we will soak up His love, and the more that God's love captures our minds and our hearts, the more likely that we will respond to the world not by withdrawing from others, but that we will extend God's love to the people around us. Above all things, as Peter says, we will not disengage. We will remain engaged with people and with the world around us. And love compels us to do that. Love is at the very heart of the kingdom of God because God is love. And as we read here, God's love covers a multitude of sins. Peter is reminding us that God's love expressed to us through Jesus Christ takes care of our sins. And that ought to produce within us some humility. It ought to affect our relationships. Our relationships with one another ought to be greatly affected by the realization that I am a sinner and you are a sinner. And we all have been recipients of God's incredible love. That is a very humbling thing. And it means that I make the choice to love you and you make the choice to love me because God says we're worthy of his love. And it's not because we're all such wonderful, loving people all the time. We love because God loves. We love because God asks us to love. And He wants love to flow into us and out of us, into the lives of the people around us. The Bible gives myriad examples of ways that we can express love and put love into action. Action Here, Peter highlights one particular way, and he talks about hospitality. Hospitality. Serving others by inviting them into our homes for food, for shelter, for friendship. This coming week, some of you are going to open your home and celebrate a Thanksgiving meal with family and friends. That's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful way to express one particular kind of hospitality. I think Peter, though, has a different kind of hospitality in mind. I I believe he's thinking about hospitality that pushes us out of our normal, comfortable routines. So, for example... Someone in the church family that you don't know very well. And you hear that they've lost their lease and they have nowhere to stay. So you invite them into your home and you give them a bed for a few nights. Or maybe someone in the church family that you don't even really like very much. And you learn that they're living on the ragged edge. And may not even have enough food in the cupboard. So you invite them over for a meal. And as they leave, you send them on their way with a bag or two of groceries. Now, I could offer many other examples, but I think this gets to the point that Peter's trying to make. There's a kind of hospitality that's easy not to do. (laughs) 
or if we do it, we do it with grumbling. We do it out of obligation because it's not easy. Peter is urging us here to always serve, to always extend hospitality as an expression of love, the love that we have received from God, and so we view it as a privilege then to extend it to others. Now, love doesn't make hospitality easier because hospitality always involves some extra effort and some inconvenience. What love does, it changes the way that we express hospitality. Instead of a burdensome duty, a duty that we grumble about, when we serve out of God's love, then hospitality becomes a spiritual experience that connects us more deeply with another human being made in the image of God. Serving others with love has the potential to be a transforming experience for us and for those that we serve. Because when God's love captures our minds and our hearts and lives, it changes things. Peter wants us to learn how to serve with love. But there's more that he wants us to grasp because there's another level to service that that goes even deeper. Peter wants us to know that when we choose to serve others, that we actually can become the means by which other people experience the grace of God. Look what Peter says next. Verse 10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Grace. Grace. What is it? Grace is undeserved, unmerited favor and blessing. And we've all received undeserved gifts from God. Our talents, our abilities, the resources that he gives us to manage our lives. And Peter wants us to learn how to be good stewards of these gifts and share them with others. And when we make the choice to share, when we serve, it's grace in action. And it occurs to me that when we serve, recognizing that everything we've been given comes from God, and we are choosing then to share that as God's representatives, that we are the means by which God's grace is unleashed into his world. It truly can be transforming. Now, in the earlier part of this passage, I believe that Peter was focused specifically on our service to one another as members of the community of faith. But here I believe he's broadening his focus. He's now including people outside the church because people who are far from God need God's grace just as much as we do. And I think Peter wants us to understand that we can take the resources God has given us, 
And we can use those resources to be agents of God's grace to all kinds of people in all kinds of circumstances. Now, I don't know if you caught this as I read, but there's something really interesting going on here because Peter is giving a very general word of exhortation about service. He doesn't give very many specifics, but he does nail down one specific thing. He talks about our conversation. You see, I think Peter knows that our tongues can stir up a lot of trouble. And he says, therefore, that when we speak, we ought to do so as if God himself is giving us the words. Now, that's, that's more than just being careful with our conversation. Peter wants us to be changed by the love of Jesus so that our speech actually delivers God's grace to the people to whom we're speaking. As I ponder that, I find myself asking all kinds of questions. How would our conversation change if we were more aware of being agents of God's grace rather than being agents of our own self-centeredness, our own pride, our own anger or bitterness or whatever? What would we say differently if we were trusting God to speak through us? so that we actually might serve other people with the words that we offer to them. I don't know about you, but this very pithy comment from Peter really challenges me. He challenges me to be more mindful about the quality of my conversations. Now, serving others goes far beyond our speech, of course. We can serve in all kinds of ways as we rely upon God's strength. Peter wants us to lean into God, trusting that he can empower us and equip us to serve in ways that we might not even dream possible, to do more than we ever could dream possible. And so what are some ways that we can put these principles into practice. How do you and I serve with love and with grace and do it in the strength of God? Here are two current examples. Yesterday, we had a team of people here sprucing up the church. And they did minor repairs and they did a lot of deep cleaning because they want to help us be good stewards of this wonderful resource that God has given us, this place from which we do ministry. And they gave us their time and effort because they recognize this is a resource that God has entrusted to our care and we need to take good care of it. And so we all are recipients of their gift of love and grace as they serve. And then today, we're going to pack and deliver about 60 Thanksgiving baskets, baskets full of food and household supplies, and most of those are going to go to people who are not part of our church. They're people in the community. And we're able to do this because last week, through our special offering, we gave more than $4,300 to buy the food and the supplies. Thank you for your generosity. And so last week, we invested our money Today we're investing time and effort 
we're doing this, serving together in God's strength to be agents of his love and his grace, the people who are in need. Serving with love and with grace and the power of God. It's truly transforming for us and for those we serve. And we don't just serve together, although we have many opportunities to do that throughout the year. We also have the opportunity to serve individually. All of us need to be listening to God. And when the Holy Spirit gives us that little nudge and says, I want you to serve here, I want you to serve there, we need to be faithful and respond. And we have many in our church family who do respond to that. And we have people serving in all kinds of ways. This morning we're going to hear three brief stories from three different members of our church. And they're going to share how God has prompted them to serve. And I believe, I believe that each one of these people is a living example of what Peter has just described. Each one of them in their own way is relying on God's strength and using the gifts God has given them in order to engage in loving gracious service. So we're going to hear from Rich Green and from Lily Wanus and from Richard Smith, one right after the other. And I want to begin with, Rich, please come up, Rich, and tell us your story of how and why you serve. Well, Bruce asked me to share about my experience serving with the Egan Warming Center. And they've been in the news a lot lately because of the, the turmoil and the lack of facilities that they'll have available. Basically, it's not one place, Egan Warming Center. It's a a consortium of groups that uh, make their building available so that the homeless people can sleep in when the temperature is below 20 degrees at night. And it takes a lot of volunteers to run it uh, because you never know when it happens because when it's going to be 28 degrees at night, I might, you know, be out of town or someone else. So... Uh, They're always offering training for people to partake in that. And so I had taken that training because I had an awareness of homeless issues because of my two cousins, one because of mental illness, one because of drug abuse, that were both homeless. In fact, for a while they were living together in the car, and and one of them came down with pneumonia. And so I had been kind of estranged from them in a way, you know, through sort of like a tough love kind of policy, which doesn't really work that well, but... Uh, when that happened, you know, I intervened a little bit and rented a hotel room for him. But I was aware of this, uh, this lack of response to the homelessness on a personal level. And the thing that really turned for me was when we, in 2013, when we had that 10 below zero uh, weather that was forecast. And I was at my shop and I was preparing for it, like, concerned about my equipment and my machines, making sure I left uh, heat on and pulling stuff back away from the doors, when I realized there were going to be people sleeping out in that cold that night and that what I could do was to follow up on the training I got and showed up at one of the even warming centers that was activated. Um, and the stuff is very easy, and they like to have a lot of people there. And in the case of the possible conflicts, because some of the people are really, uh, it's even the basic things that you and I take for granted about getting a line and, and asking for your food and telling you how you want it, it's difficult for some people to do. And they, they show up, and I was thinking about this, and I didn't say it the first service, 
that there's something that's in the Bible a lot when it talks about Jesus. It says Jesus saw the people yeah. and he had compassion. He saw they had nothing to eat and he made the disciples line them up. And I say, if you see these people line up in the cold when it's 30 degrees out and the slush from his soaked up their pants past their calves, it affects the way you look at the homeless a little bit different. And so um, I've been proud to serve because uh, whoever shows up there gets something to eat and has, to, you know, has a place to sleep. Um, I don't really feel like I'm manifesting God's grace all the time. And I feel like it's really something that uh, I've had the opportunity to help in and I'm capable and I can. Although God's grace has been manifested in a way that... Uh, that I am like I work in the kitchens, I cook a lot, I manage one of the kitchens at some times, and this is something that's really like not uh, one of my gifts, but it's a manifestation of God's God's you know <laughs> God's power and our weakness. But really, I'm basically a bull in a china shop in a, like a home kitchen, but uh, somehow I can function in in a, like uh, an urgent. Uh, need to get the meals out for 60 people. Bruce also asked me to talk about something else I do, with, and with Drew, Drew Williamson uh, helps me most of the time, is that we do the food pickup, the food run for First Place Family Center. And that's another thing that you really have to see to realize what it is. And that's, the, that's a place that Vincent Paul runs to help families that have the custody, legal custody of a child under 18 years old. So it's a day facility that people, homeless people can go for whatever, just to get out of the cold, to do laundry, to use a bathroom, to get a phone call, to use the address to get mail. Again, things that any of us take very much for granted. This place is in existence to do that. And it's a relief for the staff for us to go pick up the food and to supply the food pantry. I, we drive down my pickup, we load it up, we drive and we unload it and do that twi twice a week. Um, and that was the same thing. I was there once as a contractor looking at it to give an estimate for painting on a grant, a possible remodel and stuff. And when I saw the place, I was really like, I couldn't believe the need and the, the way uh, the meager resources that were available. And I felt like, well, I'll, I'll do donate my stuff. But I never did that because it's really easy to think that. It's a lot harder to, to do that. And... Uh, a year or so later, I read there was like a two-page thing in the Register of the Guard of a woman who had that same kind of experience came in there to donate some stuff and was so moved that she organized a lot of people to help and they did the work that they hadn't got the grant for. And at that point, I knew I could have done that, but I didn't. And so when I got a newsletter saying from St. Vincent de Paul saying, well, there, this, there are these list of needs and this is one of them to be, uh, be a food runner, I knew it was something I could do and... I, I did it. And I guess even in that, these things, uh, they're real physical things, like to cook 600 pancakes, to load a pickup up. And I don't really feel a manifestation of God's grace when I'm doing those things. But sometimes, sometimes there's an interaction, and I feel something come out, like, uh, very deep from within me, the uh, uh, kindness, the compassion that uh, is not my flesh, and it's God's grace. And I... That's, that's my experience in serving. Hi, everybody. I'm Lily. 
Um, I've been coming to Garden Way and serving for a little over than a year. Um, but I've been working with the KidMax students on Fridays and coming in on Sunday mornings for the first service um, small uh, kids and then on Sunday nights the small groups for the middle school girls. And I just wanted to take some time and tell you guys about my experience and how it's affected me and changed my life a little bit. But basically how it all got started, um, I was in my senior year um, at NCU for Christian ministry and the ministry leader, I guess, for, for NCU, um, Terry O'Casey came up to me and he said, hey Lily, it's your senior year and I haven't approved an internship for you and you might need to get that started. <laughs> and I thought, okay, well, I don't really have a plan. What can we do? And he just gave me a phone number and he said, call this number. They need help. Go do that without any explanation, because that's just how Terry was. And um, so I called, and it was Molly, <laughs> thankfully. And um, we met for coffee and talked about the kind of things that um, she needed and the kinds of things that I needed as far as my internship went. And they happened to work very well. And so I was here, and it was really, I only needed six months, um, but I'm still here, and I don't really plan on leaving anytime soon. Uh, that's kind of how it works. <laughs> And it's just been an amazing experience. Um, you know, with KidMax, I've worked in uh, three or four different um, class classrooms, and none of them I've been really great at, but I've been trying, and I think that it's still, um, it's been a fun experience. The kids don't care. They don't know that you don't know anything. And um, so that's always been a blast. And then, um, you know, Sunday mornings is always fun because the kids are always wild and crazy and I'm still sleepy. And so that's always fun getting through the Bible stories and watching the videos and talking about it. And we always end up having good conversations, even though, you know, they're seven or eight years old. They do have really cool ideas and thoughts about what Jesus, you know, who Jesus is and, and what the idea of, you know, all these ideas and stories in the Bible mean. And then Sunday nights are my favorite. Um, I get to spend a lot of time with middle school girls, and uh, they make me proud every single week, every single day. Um, they're really amazing. Um, and something that I, you know, whenever any, I talk to anybody about volunteering or serving or, you know, being around middle schoolers in general, everyone thinks they're really scary, and they're not. <laughs> they're fine. Um, I work in a credit union call center. That's scary. <laughs> <laughs> middle schoolers are fine compared to angry people calling. <laughs> and <laughs> I think the, the biggest thing is you just have to be open to building a relationship with them. You can't walk in and expect them to be open with you because they're not going to be open with you at all until you bring something to the table for them. You know, it, just a conversation of saying, you know, I had a really rough week at work <laughs> and this is what sucked about it, but this is what's going to make it better. You know, they might come to you later and say, you know, there's this really annoying kid in my class and I really don't know what to do about it. And you get to talk to them about how you dealt with those situations and what the best way to deal with that kind of situation would be. And then you get to talk about Jesus and you get to talk about the Bible and passages and things that they might not understand. And you build that trust so that they can later come to you with questions or ideas or just little things about their life that they need to talk to somebody about. And it's nice to always be that like secondary adults, you know, they have their parents, they have their grandparents. It's nice to be that secondary adult that, you, that they can trust and come to and talk to if they need anything. Um, and so that's one of the best reasons and best, I guess, things that 
I serve for. Um, you know, it's really fulfilling. I have always been a really empathetic person um, because, but when, once I started serving, it was like, it just was like a never-ending fountain. <laughs> like, I just always, like, want to feel how people are feeling, and when somebody comes to me and tells me that they had a rough week or they need to talk to somebody about something, it's always really great to be able to be there and be present with them and completely try to understand where they're coming from, and I think that that's one of those gifts that God gave me, and the more I serve and the more I come and the more I, I talk to people about serving, the more that grows and the more, um, you know, that gift that God planted in me bears fruit. I think that we all have those gifts and we all have those talents. And, you know, the more we serve in any capacity, the more that that grows and the more that it, it bears fruit for God. Good morning. Um, I want to share with you this morning uh, my volunteer work for a charitable organization uh, called Love in the Name of Christ. Uh, when I retired in uh, 2014, almost forgot it's written right here, uh, I, I knew that I wanted to stay active and uh, do, do some volunteering work, but I wasn't sure um, what, uh, what abilities I have would, that would fit. Well, one Sunday, Rob Carney, who knew I was thinking about volunteering, um, told me about an organization that was starting up and I might be interested in volunteering to this organization they had scheduled. So he and I both went to the orientation and I learned that love in the name of Christ is truly a heartfelt uh, program that cares about people in need. And as the name implies, it is intended to show the love of Christ in our community by providing those for those in need. But what I didn't know was how this organization would fill a need in my life. I volunteer in the office uh, two afternoons a week. I answer phones and print and organize forms and assist with a mailing newsletter, as well as helping people who come to our office. Also, since I retired from the garbage collection business, they felt it was important to have a professional take care of getting the trash and the recycling handled. So I do that too. Uh, I feel that uh, answering the phones is the most important thing that, that I do in the office. Um, people call in with their needs. Some need rides uh, to medical or other types of appointments. Some need yard work. Uh, some need help packing or unpacking uh, when they move. And some even need uh, furniture and household items. These are just a few of the things that we here as volunteers. And of course, more volunteers are always needed. People do donate items, and they've also volunteer to help those who need them. They'll even deliver. Uh, after we listen and document the person's needs, we ask if we can pray for them before the call is ended. I would like to, uh, and there are many calls that are sad and touch my heart, and I would like to share with you about one of these uh, phone calls. 
a lady who had recently moved to our area. She was working towards getting her nursing license, and uh, she had two uh, teenage daughters. Her need was small, but it was still a need. She told me the reason she had moved here was that uh, her husband had taken his own life, but with God's help, she was very clear about the direction of her and her daughter's life moving forward. Before we hung up, I asked if I could pray for her, and uh, she said yes. I don't uh, remember the prayer that, uh, that I said, but uh, I know that Jesus gave me those words to, um, to help comfort her, because without the help of Jesus, I would not have known what to say to be a comfort her. She thanked me for my prayer. After we hung up, I thought how Jesus had shown me how we all need each other. And since that call, I've learned not only to listen with my ears, but listen with my heart. So I always give people all the time they need to tell their story. I believe that God wanted to show me about people's needs when I was led to volunteer in the name of love, in the name of Christ. I'm grateful for this uh, outreach program and to Rob Carney for suggesting that I look into volunteering. Uh, if you're interested in knowing more about the program uh, or would like to volunteer, you can talk to me or pick up a card in the Welcome Center for uh, contact information. I want to thank you for listening, and God bless you. My thanks to each of you for serving Jesus by serving others, for striving to serve with love and with grace, for letting God help you discern what he's given you and how you can pass that on to someone else. What a blessing. I think we've learned a lot today. We've heard some godly wisdom from Peter, that very close friend of Jesus, and he's urged us to think about the importance of serving with love and serving with grace and to do it with God's strength. And we've heard some stories from people in our own church family about how they're trying to take those principles and make them real and then engage in meaningful service, touching lives of people around them. So how about you? What does service look like in your life? Could it be that there's a next step that the Spirit might be prompting you to take? Could there perhaps be a new way for you to engage in service so that you could be the agent of God's grace and touch the life of another person in a powerful way? I encourage you to ponder that, to pray about that, and to see how the Spirit might lead you so that you can experience the rich joy of passing on what God has given you and blessing others by serving them.